Are you excited for the Bijan Robinson era here in Atlanta? I know I am, as well as my guest, Jonathan Davis of Locked On Longhorns and Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank everyone that makes this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. And today we have nothing but illustrious guests, as they say, uh, with Jonathan Davis of Locked On Longhorns coming on to talk all about B. John Robinson and the excitement for the B. John Robinson era. We'll be joined later by Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic uh, to break down the entire 2023 Falcons draft class a little bit later on today's episode. So without further ado, let's head on over to Locked On Longhorns host Jonathan Davis and talk with him about what type of player the Atlanta Falcons are getting in Bijan Robinson. All right, everyone, we are back with another illustrious guest. He is none other than John Davis, the voice of Texas football and basketball over at Locked On Longhorns. And of course, if we're going to talk about Bijan Robinson and what he's bringing to the Atlanta Falcons, there is nobody who's better qualified than John to talk about him. John, my friend, welcome to Locked On Falcons. Thanks for having me, man. Exciting times in Atlanta. Bijan Robinson is an Atlanta Falcon and somebody I've watched for the last three years on Saturday. Y'all get to enjoy him on Sunday. So uh, thanks for having me on, you know, and uh, like I said, I'm excited for the Bijan era in Atlanta. Yeah. So let's talk about the Bijan era in Texas. And so he was okay. a highly recruited player that came in with a lot of expectations. And from my perspective, lived up to those expectations. But I'm just curious to get your thoughts on the three years that Bijan was in Texas. Well, he exceeded expectations, right? Not just lived up to him. He exceeded them. When you leave uh, your third year in college with the Doak Walker Award, the best running back in college football, I think that solidified that. But I think for the last two years, he's been the best running back in college football. And he's more than exceeded expectations at the University of Texas. And he kind of put himself on a Mount Rushmore of Texas running backs, which is crazy when you think about Earl Campbell, when you think about running backs like, you know, Jamal Charles, Ricky Williams, right? Uh, you know, Priest Holmes, Cedric Benson, when you mention those names, it's hard to be able to have a career that puts you amongst those names as, as well. And that's exactly what B. John did for the last three years. When you talk about Texas running backs, you have to mention B. John Robinson's name as one of the best to ever put on that burnt orange and white. Absolutely. Now, you know, it, it seems so easy to talk about how good a player Bijan is because everybody just it's like immediately you recognize like yeah he's really really good but one of the things that the Falcons talked about as one of the reasons why they selected him was not just because he is this obviously dynamic and skillful athlete and, and player on the football field but the person that he is off the field and I'm just curious to get your thoughts on Bijan the person as opposed to Bijan the player. 
Yeah, I, I think that's why, you know, half the Texas fan base are now Falcons fans because B. John Robinson was just that type of player that you really fell in love with, right, on the field and off the field. And it's funny because, like you said, as special as a player as he is on the field, special enough to be the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft, when you talk to Texas fans, it's who he is off the field. It's who he is as a person and a human being that really warms your heart, right? And that's why I think they were so comfortable taking him with the eighth overall pick and like Arthur Smith said, he's genuine, right? It's not fake. You know, he talks so much about his faith. He wears his faith on his sleeve, um, but he's just that type of person. And he's been that way since we were recruiting him out of high school in Arizona. And just from the, the camps to what he does in the community, I mean, he's the type of person. And we say this about people and it's not always true, but he genuinely is the type of person that you can't find anybody to say anything bad about him, right? And I know it came down to, you know, a conversation between maybe Bijan Robinson and Jalen Carter at number eight. But I think that's why you take Bijan Robinson at number eight, because Arthur Smith, I think it's, is it Thomas Dimitrov, um, Arthur Smith, all of them, uh, Arthur Blank, excuse me, Arthur Smith, all of the people in the building, right? Or no, Terry, is it Terry? I'm yeah, tripping. Terry, it's it's Terry. Terry. Okay, all right. All right, my bad. Was, my bad, Falcons I was going to let you work through it. You okay. were gonna, my, my, my bad, Falcons fans, right? I, I just support from a distance, right? Everybody in the building can sleep peacefully every night knowing that B. John Robinson is on the roster and they have nothing to worry about. He is a better person and human being than he is football player. And that's crazy to say because he's a special football player as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it you know, he's the type of player that's going to come with expectations because of where he was drafted and what he did in college, but because you, he, of the type of person that he is, you feel pretty good about him being able to shoulder those expectations, you know, day one in the NFL. Is that fair? No, I think so. You know, I, I think so. And they're already talking about him being, you know, one of the top picks in fantasy. And I think he's the favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year already. But, you know, I think anything you put on Bijan's plate, he's able to handle. And, you know, when I looked at what you all had last year, I think I had Cordero Patterson in fantasy. So y'all were able to run the ball pretty effectively, right? I think y'all had the third ranked Russian attack. But you bring in Bijan Robinson, you know, the type of player that's a superstar. I remember when, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, right? And I remember when we had DeMarco Murray who ran for a thousand yards and then we took Ezekiel Elliott with the fourth overall pick. And you can say what you want about it now, but Ezekiel Elliott stepped right in and was the best running back in the NFL. That pick was worth it, right? We can, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? We can look at it six, seven years down the road and be like, oh, well, it didn't work out. We shouldn't have took him there. Ezekiel Elliott stepped in and was one of the best offensive players in football from day one. And I think B. John Robinson represents that same type of player. I think the Atlanta Falcons with the number eight pick got one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. And it's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they use them on Sundays. Cause I also had Kyle Pitts on my fantasy team last year and that didn't go great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that before. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see if uh, Arthur Smith can redeem you on that one uh, this upcoming season. But you know, you talk about Zeke and his impact right away. And Zeke was able to impact the Cowboys both as a runner and a receiver and I think that's the thing that really makes Bijan so special is he is one of those players that typically go high like a Zeke Elliott, like a Christian McCaffrey that we've seen in recent years get picked in the top 10 because he has that ability to impact both as a runner and a receiver. And I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on his skill set as a receiver at Texas where it didn't feel like he was as featured as he probably could have been, but anytime it seemed like they threw him the ball, you know, good things seemed to happen in that offense last year. Yeah. I, 
you hit the nail on the head, right? I don't think that we used B. John Robinson enough as a receiver or the way that Arthur Smith will use him in the NFL, because I think you can use him maybe not in the exact ways that you use Cordero Patterson, but I think you're going to see him a lot more in the NFL kind of one-on-one against linebackers, you know, just with the ability to get open, you know, and run routes for his quarterback. And we didn't do that a lot at Texas, but like you said, when he was catching the ball, it was spectacular, right? I've seen B. John Robinson catch post routes down the field. I saw him catch a, a back shoulder turnaround, I guess, two-yard reception against Oklahoma when we were beating them 49-0. to zero. So he's shown uh, a really good ability to catch the ball. Um, I can't remember. God, I wish I could remember. It was either Brendan Marion, our wide receiver coach last year, or Tashar Choice, our running back coach, said he had the best hands on the team. I guess it would make more sense of a – if it would, it would be a better quote if it was Brendan Marion, the wide receiver coach. So let's go with Brendan Marion, the wide receiver coach. He said that B. Shot Robinson had the best hands on the team, and, and I truly believe that he has strong hands, but I think that you know the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith can really tap into his route running ability. And I, and I think that's going to be key – to making this investment work out, right? Because all we want to talk about is what will Bijan Robinson look like six to seven years from now, right? And and part of that is, you know, the Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley syndrome, right? But I think the best way to keep him fresh and keep him upright and make sure that he's the running back for the Atlanta Falcons for a decade is to use him as much in the passing game. And I'm excited to see that because, like I said, we didn't see it a lot at Texas, and I know he's more than capable of it. Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you for your time. Are there any other tidbits that you want to share with the locked on Falcons listeners about Bijan Robinson that maybe they don't necessarily know at this point? Uh, I wouldn't say any tidbits, you know, like I said, he's just a, a great football player, a, a hell of a person. And, you know, I, I I've seen some debate, you know, I've, I've been on Twitter and, and like I said, I just think this is the type of person that you make the face of your franchise. Right. And this is the type of person that you spend the number eight pick on. Right. If you're trying to transcend your culture. Right. If you're trying to become a winning organization again, you know, like I said, I used to I was telling him off camera, I used to live in McDonough, Georgia, right, 45 minutes uh, away from Atlanta. So I, I've seen how Atlanta is when the Falcons are good. And this is the type of player that you bring in, not only to start to win football games, but to really kind of embrace and, and build that connection and build that bridge between the community and the Atlanta Falcons. So he's going to be a superstar in that community for the next decade, hopefully. And you got a really special person in, in B. John Robinson. And like you said, you talk about taking running backs, number eight, whatever. But B. John Robinson, I would want him on my football time, football team any day and night. So got a really special one in B. John for sure. Absolutely. My final question for you, John. Have you tried the mustard? I, <laughs> I have not tried the mustard. I have bought the mustard. So they have uh, pluckers out here and they have wings made with the mustard. I had those. Those were really good. I have lost two bets. Right, I lost a bet last year that Texas would – beat Oklahoma State, so I had to pay out that bet in Bijan Mustard. I also lost a pick'em bet with our uh, our boy John Garcia, right? And so I had to send him the mustard, but I have not tried it. But I've spent over $50 in mustard <laughs> towards losing bets <laughs> and have not tried it once at all. So okay. outside all of right. some wings at Pluckers. So I, I can't tell y'all, but make sure y'all load up on it, you know? It's going to be worth a lot of money someday, you know what I'm all saying? Right. And it's good for I like hear pretzels, hot dogs, hamburger sandwiches, you name it, right? So go grab that Bijan mustard. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, John, let the people know what you got going on over at Locked On Longhorns uh, in the coming days, weeks, and over the course of the summer. 
Yeah, uh, so we're just going to be talking a lot about Arch Manning. No, I'm just kidding, but it's going to be a, a really good season. You know, a season, Steve Sarkeesian, who y'all are familiar with as well, Steve Sarkeesian's third year at the University of Texas, and we're expecting big things in our last year in the Big 12. We're expecting a Big 12 championship and hopefully maybe an outside chance at a college football playoff appearance. So as we continue to, you know, get closer to the season, that's going to be our main focus is talking about Sark in year three and hopefully getting Texas back on track, right? Texas and the Falcons are looking to get back to the glory days and hopefully the Longhorns can do it this season. Absolutely. Well, I will just say this, having watched Bijan a lot over the last couple of days, I'm hoping that Texas offensive line can take some steps because it does feel yeah. like, it does feel like, you know, they were holding things. They were young. They were young last year. And yeah, so it's like, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. We, uh, the interior offensive line wasn't great. We started two true freshmen on the offensive line and then one, player was starting for the first time also our center we wanted to our center was in place because somebody tore their acl in training camp so i don't think that was the five best we wanted to put out there they're relatively young and inexperienced um you know we brought in i don't know how much you follow college football recruiting but we had brought in seven offensive linemen in the 2022 class because that had been such a problem for years at the university of texas so we're hoping that by the time we get to the sec we can start to have a run of dominant offensive lines like uh, Alabama and Georgia. But, yeah, you, the tape didn't lie to you. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're going to need some guys up front if you, once you get to the SEC. That's definitely yeah. true. So. But Bijan's so special, he won the Doak Walker Award behind that offensive <laughs> yeah, line, yeah. right? And that's what y'all got with the number eight pick. So yeah. be grateful. And number seven, look, 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 I, I, I love the Falcons when Michael Vick was there. I, I love Young Way Koo. I think yeah. I know y'all love Young Way Koo, but. He couldn't do it justice as a kicker, man. <laughs> you got little, 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 little B. John Robinson for real on a national level is going to reclaim that number seven in that black, red, and white, man. So I'm really excited about that. I thought that was a dope number change. But shout out to Young Way Koo for giving it up to the future, the prodigy B. John Robinson, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, really appreciate you uh, sharing your insights into B. John Robinson. And we'll have to go check out that mustard uh, to see what's what with that. And of course, guys, check him out at Jonzo Ball on Twitter, as well as Locked On Longhorns. Really appreciate you joining me on today's Locked On Falcons. Yes, sir. And a lot of Falcons fans, I'm sure y'all have seen, a lot of Texas fans are now going to be Falcons fans. So welcome us with warm, you know, and open hearts, right? Because there's so many Texas fans that did not care about the NFL until Thursday when B. John Robinson got drafted, right? So there's a lot of Texas fans in the fan base now. So welcome us with warm warm and open hearts. Well, I think (laughs) the Texas uh, bandwagoners are going to be a lot better than the Oregon bandwagoners that were on the team last year because of Marcus Mariota, who were insistent that the Falcons were a terrible organization because they didn't do right by Marcus Mariota. I hope that we do not have that relationship with the UT fans this year. I think we'll do right by Bijan this year. Hopefully. Hey, just give them 25 touches a game and you won't have to worry about us saying anything, right? <laughs> All right. I, I look forward to that first game where he gets eight carries and, and then the Texas fans are just going crazy. So I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating that one. It's a possibility, man. It's a possibility. Thanks for having me, brother. For real. Right, <laughs> so we're continuing talking about the B. John Robinson era with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic, my upcoming guest. I want to thank Jonathan Davis. And we'll talk about not only Bijan, but the other five draft prospects that the Atlanta Falcons nabbed in their 2023 NFL draft. And we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. 
But, you know, I know we're all excited about Bijan, and especially you want to be excited in the fourth quarter of some of these games this upcoming fall. But in order to continue to cheer loudly, you guys got to have your energy up. And the best way to do that is, of course, with Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein with a whopping 17 grams of protein and they come in a variety of flavors you can head on over to built.com right now check out their limited time flavors like cookie dough chunk puff animal cookie peanut butter puff and of course when you do make sure you use that promo code locked on 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order but you can also head over to your local walmart or sam's uh walk to the pharmacy section uh in walmart get a four bar box walk to sam's get a 13 bar box of you know tried and trues like brownie batter puff or cookies and cream and you know later this season when you're in the fourth quarter screaming at the top of your lungs and everybody else is looking at you like what is your secret how are you this pepped up you can sit there and say you know i want to give a shout out to aaron freeman and of course built bars all right everyone we are back with another illustrious guest he is kevin knight who covers the falcons for the falcoholic you can check him out on the falcoholic live a weekly show breaking down the falcons and of course the dirty birds and brews podcast of course you can find it on all your favorite podcast platforms including on youtube kevin my friend welcome back to the show hey aaron glad to be back thanks for having me once again you know we're here for uh some some draft takes, uh, some some post draft takes, and uh, the people just can't get enough of this stuff. So happy to happy to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You know, my my first question is a very vague and general one. Are you feeling pretty good about the Falcons draft class? Yeah, I think I gave it a, a B plus on our our Falcoholic uh, roundtable. Plug that, by the way. Check that out, folks. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a B plus draft. Um, you know, I think there were there were some minor nitpicks, right? Like um, that we'll get to. I'm sure. I, I I like all the early picks. I love Clark Phillips. Um, obviously, love Bijan. You know, can't can't complain about that. Uh, but yeah, I think overall they they hit on a lot of their biggest needs. It you know with the trade up for Matthew Bergeron, they they were able. To, you know, I think that's. The, I don't like that they had to trade up, but I love the player, so it's hard to be too upset. So I think they, they hit what they needed to hit. I think they, they made a lot of their strengths stronger and um, added some some quality pieces that I think will really improve the, the depth of this team for 2023 and, and beyond. Well, uh, I'll get your thoughts on, on most of the picks. I don't know if we'll, we'll do all because, uh, you know, seven-round picks don't matter. Uh, but, yeah. you know, um, I, my next question is, you know, which player do you maybe have the least amount of questions about, you know, heading to Atlanta and maybe which of these draft picks do you or, or have the most amount of questions about? Maybe not skepticism is, is the right, but just are, you know, I'm, I'm curious about how that player is going to fit. Who, who would be those players for you in both of those categories? Yeah, I mean, I won't spend too much time on Bijan because we talked about Bijan so much. Like we love Bijan. Bijan is just a slam dunk pick. I think. Um, I think he'll he'll be one of the most popular players in Atlanta this year and, and going forward. And he wore number seven, so instant legend in my book. Um, so I'm happy happy to have him here. I think honestly, the pick with the least questions though for me is is Clark Phillips in the fourth round. I just think he's rock solid starter. Um, and I don't. The, the question would be like, does he play outside or in the slot? didn't really play this lot much in college. Um, so there's, there's questions there about how quickly he'll take to that role. But I think other than that, um, you know, I think he's just really good. Uh, Pac-12 defensive player of the year, consensus all American held up against really 
top competition, you know, Drake London, he was one of the only corners that was able to slow down Drake London. Um, and that's even more impressive given there's like a six inch size disparity between the two of them. Um, managed to, to take care of your, your pit son, uh, Jordan Addison. So, uh, <laughs> like, I feel like I just got shot right there with, yeah. with, with that one, but yeah. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but he's just really good. Uh, I, I think Clark Phillips is going to be a starter sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know where this is, So maybe that's the one question, but, uh, I, I do really like him. And then in terms of the guy with the most questions, it, you know, it, it's cheap to say like a seventh rounder because seventh round picks don't matter. Right. But, um, you know, with Javon Gwynn, like I, I like Javon Gwynn. I think he's actually a good player. The question is like, I, with how, how crowded the interior room is now, they just added in the second round, Matthew Bergeron. Is he like, I mean, I don't know if he even has a realistic chance at making the roster, especially if he's a center only uh, convert. And so it's like, you have to change to a new position. Then you have to prove yourself at that position. But NFL teams don't typically keep just centers as depth guys on the roster. So he'll have to prove himself as a guard too, which that's what he played in college. So maybe the size disparity isn't as big of a deal as, as some think because he, he did it at a high level in the SEC. But I think that one's more questionable to why like, Oh, I don't know why you couldn't bring this guy in as a UDFA, especially since the chances of him making the roster are probably pretty low. Um, don't want to count him out certainly, but uh, that was the one I think that was, Questionable from like a roster perspective, the talent I think is is clear, and I think if maybe he can hit the ground running, um, but t- it's gonna be really tough for him to make it. As opposed to like, I probably would have gone with uh, you know, one of these high upside RAS receivers, right? Uh, like a Bryce Ford Wheaton secured him or Jadon Hazelwood or whoever it is that you preferred there. Um, they didn't go that route. They, you know, we'll see. You know, we got Penny Hard in here today, so maybe they were always planning to sort of just add veterans to that room, but. Um, that was maybe the, the the one questionable thing, you know, was maybe the Gwyn pick just because I don't know where he slots in. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I do want to pick your brain on Bijan Robinson, Matthew Bergeron, and Zach Harrison, since you didn't touch upon them on the previous question. And we'll do that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons here with Kevin Knight. So continuing here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and, of course, the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Uh, Kevin, you know, let's talk a little bit about Bijan, right? You know, it's not a question of his ability, but it's just a question of, you know, maximizing his talent now that the Falcons did the thing that so many people around the world hate and, and ignored positional value for the umpteenth time uh, and, and drafted a running back in the top 10. But I'm just curious, at what point do you expect Bijan to be that bell cow running back? Do you, is that something that you think he'll be that guy getting the majority of the touches come week one? Is that something by years in, or do you feel like Arthur Smith is going to, you know, want to feature, you know, him just as much as he features Tyler Algier and, and also curious what you think Tyler Algier's role here in Atlanta is moving forward. Is he going to be splitting carries? Is he going to be the backup? You know, I'm just curious how you think that running back room shapes out now that B. John Robinson's there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I do think he's going to enter the season as like the, the starter, but I, I do think that they're, they're going to try, the Falcons are going to try to limit his carries um, probably to like 10 to 15 at most, because I think they do they do want Tyler Algier to get those carries too. Um, I think that that Bijan's likely to be the high leverage guy um, to, to be the third down guy. His, his pass protection is really underrated. Like he was one of the best pass protectors in, in college football. Um and his ability as a receiver too. So, so Bijan's probably the third down, the passing down back. 
I think they're going to use him a lot in pistol and, and rotate him out to the slot or out wide or whatever they want to do to create those matchup problems. Um, you know, we've talked about it, but I, I think people don't understand like how good his hands are. Like just spectacular catches all over his tape. He's just a really natural pass catcher. He adjusts to the ball super well. He goes up and gets it. He, he can make those contested catches too. Um, you can just sort of chuck it down there. And he's like a, he's like a receiver deep I mean that, that catch against Alabama uh, where he like literally like spins around in the air, catches it, lands and keeps running. I mean, that, that was incredible. That's like stuff you would expect from top receivers to do. Um, so I think his, his role as a receiver will be bigger than anticipated. Um, but yeah, I sort of see him as like, you know, you look at a guy like Debo Samuel and I think it's, he's going to obviously carry the ball more, but you sort of swap it. Like, like I think Debo last year had, um, he only played in 13 games, but you know, 56 catches to, to 42 runs. And I think maybe you flip that around more, whereas as Bijan's going to get more carries, but you know, we could see Bijan catch 40 passes easily this year. Um, I, I think he'll end up by year's end being like a top five receiver in terms of yardage for the Falcons without question. Um, and I, his reliability as a pass protector, his ability to do a lot of stuff, you know, we'll see how quickly he's able to take on pistol stuff and, and slot work. Um, but I do sort of wonder also if like, them not taking a wide receiver has something to do with how much they plan to utilize Bijan in the slot. Um, because they're like, well, if, if Bijan's going to play a lot of receiver for us, why do we need to invest in another receiver? Um, so I, I it's really fun and cur- I'm curious to see how exactly they, they do that. But, um, I don't think he'll be a bell cow in that he's getting like 20 plus carries a game. Like some people are probably expecting, but I think he'll be a focal point of the offense. Um, and, and have, at least 10 to 15 touches a game, but that's probably better for him than getting 20 plus carries. I, I just, you don't have to run these guys into the ground. Like some people seem to most NFL teams seem to be obsessed with. And, and I think you, you want to try to keep him fresh and that's what Algiers for Algier can come in for those grunt work carries at the end of a game. Like the Falcons hopefully will have some leads to, to salt away and you bring in Algier who's taken five carries to that point let him just hammer teams. Um, and and that, that's a perfect role for Algier. I think he would, he'll enjoy that as well. Like Algier. All right. It's your turn. Go, go pound him into dust, buddy. And, and he'll, uh, he'll have fun with that. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I also said that a lot with Tyler Algier, you want to save him. You don't want to run him into the, the, the dust. Cause you know, the Falcons going to run the ball 500 times this year. And, you know, typically running backs get like 70 to 80% of those carries. So, you know, you do the math on that, like, it's like 380, 400 carries to, to go around for the running backs and, and giving that to one guy historically is not great. So I, I think it will greatly benefit both Bijan and, and and Algiers, you know, longevity in this league, you know, if they're only getting 200 carries instead of 350 carries each and every year. But let's talk about the guys that are going to be clearing those lanes for those guys running. Uh, and that's Matthew Bergeron. And I'm curious, do you see him as the day one starter at the left guard position? And what type of rookie season do you expect from him? We know Falcons offensive linemen as rookies don't necessarily hit the ground running right away. You know, whether you go back to Jake Matthews and Sam Baker and Chris Lindstrom missing time with injuries. And of course, you know, uh, the incredible rookie seasons that Jalen Mayfield and Kayla McGarry had. Um, do, do you expect Matthew Bergeron to, you know, come in and, and be better than those guys? Or, or where are your expectations for him? Yeah, I, I do think Bergeron's going to be better than Jalen Mayfield. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, everybody take a deep bar. breath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think he'll have like a Caleb McGarry-esque start to his career where he's this great run blocker. 
he's just plowing guys over um, in the run game. He, that's what he was gr- the best at in college. Just he's he's so technically sound with his run blocking. He just gets hands on guys and just pushes them over. Treme- like he's a good athlete at tackle. I think he was like an eight point seven or something RIS at tackle, but he's in the nines at guard. He can hit all the landmarks. He can kick out. He's he's a really natural mover. Um, I think he'll be an impact run defender right away um, and upgrade what the Falcons had at left guard immediately in that respect. I think he'll be a solid but probably inconsistent pass protector as a rookie. Um, I do think he has good length. I think he's got good size, good athleticism. His anchor is pretty good. You know, I think his hand placement and pass pro is just really inconsistent. Um, he struggled with some speed on the outside, some length on the outside at times. But at guard, everything's sort of condensed, and I, I do wonder if that'll help mitigate that stuff and make it a little bit easier for him to handle. But I think he'll be a, a better than solid starter overall. You know, I think his PFF grade will be heavily influenced by that great run blocking grade. Um, but I, I think overall, he'll probably be like a solid pass protector this year with a ceiling, I think, to grow into a, a really good overall player. But I, I think expecting him to be more than like a solid pass protector this year is probably asking a little bit much, but it helps that he's got Jake Matthews next to him, obviously, to, to help, you know, shoulder the, shoulder the burden there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see what comes of Matthew Bergeron. We'll talk about the Falcons third round pick in Zach Harrison from Ohio state. And I'm curious, do you see him being developed here with Ryan Nielsen and and his reputation as a D line developer? You know, I think most people expect Harrison to be a rotational player, but do you see Harrison developing into an impact starter? I know as a rookie, he'll, he'll just be a rotational player, probably, just out there keeping Calais Campbell fresh for the 40% of plays that Calais Campbell isn't expected to play, which works out to be like 20 to 25 snaps a game. But beyond that, you know, do you see Zach Harrison being more than that in the future? It's hard to say, you know, I I do think um, Harrison has all the traits that you're looking for. And I think that's why he's a good day two pick is, you know, you look at, he's, he's not quite the, 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 the lateral mover that Tyree Wilson was, and he doesn't quite have the elite explosiveness that like miles Murphy had. Um, but he does have the same size, uh, and, and even better length, of course, than miles Murphy, um, you know, length up there with Tyree Wilson, who of course is one of the longest guys we've seen come out in, in years. Um, so I think that the traits are there for Zach Harrison to become an NFL starter. I think he's a, a day one ready player as a run defender. Um, but as a pass rusher, he's just, he just needs to continue to grow and get better. You know, if you look at his, his college stats, his PFF stats, um, his pressures were really quite good. Like his pressure rate, his number of pressures generated were, were, were good at Ohio state, but he never quite finished enough. You know, I think his sack numbers were relatively low, um, but he was creating consistent disruption and pressure. And I think, that may just be who he is in the NFL is, is a guy that's never going to get, you know, 10 plus sacks. But if he's generating 30 pressures in the NFL, that's, that's a starter. Like that's good numbers right there. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think right now he's, he's Calais Campbell's, you know, backup heir apparent, what have you. Um, and I, you know, I, again, for the same reasons with Tyree Wilson, Campbell's a great mentor for him, a perfect mentor for him to learn under, you know, if Calais Campbell, has to miss any time god forbid right uh i think zach harrison can slot into that big end role um and and give you that run defense that that campbell is going to provide um you know maybe the falcons against run heavy teams they activate both harrison and campbell and put them both out there and say okay good luck guys um you know running against these these two 
And I think that that gives them a matchup guy early on, but you know, eventually I think I, I he, he could be a starter. Um, you know, the big end type of guy. I think some people think he has upside as an interior pass rusher, you know, for those third down situations. Um, but the length is, is outstanding. I think his athletic traits overall are very good. It just comes down to, you know, can he, can he learn to finish a little bit better? Can, can he get those, get those arms working and, 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 um, you know, get the hand placement cleaned up a little bit, you know, learn some more pass rush moves, that sort of thing. And this is Ryan Nielsen's first test. You know, what can you do with, with Zach Harrison? And it's nice that it, I, I, we, you know, we talked about this on a pod we did recently as well, that, um, you know, Harrison came into Ohio state with all this hype, like one of the top recruits in the country, all these expectations, it didn't quite live up to that. That that's mentally tough to, to deal with. I'm sure now he comes into Atlanta as like the fifth or sixth edge rusher in the rotation. He can just develop like, right. He can just work under an existing star and Clayus Campbell. He can get that, that tutoring, not feel all this outside pressure to be the guy and to live up to this lineage of, you know, the Bosa brothers and, um, you know, Chase Young and all these guys, maybe he could come to Atlanta, just have a little bit of a quieter start, get his feet under him and then uh, grow into that, that role and maybe have a better NFL career than he ever had in college. Yeah. Well, you know, we know this guy doesn't matter because he's a seven round pick, but since I got you here, you know, any thoughts on DeMarco Hellams? Yeah, he's going to make the roster. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's, he's the fourth safety, um, super physical, uh, you know, anyone who leads Alabama in tackles, that's that's a stat worth monitoring, um, especially if it's a secondary player. And uh, I, I think, look, he's a really reliable tackler. He's he's tough. He's physical. He probably needs to play down in the box. You know, I don't think you want him playing deep at the NFL level, but good size, did play all over the secondary for Alabama. And, and that means that they had a lot of trust in him. I think he's a smart player. Um, again, athletically, not elite, you know, fairly average in that regard. Um, so you're going to want to limit his one-on-ones against like receivers, but I think against tight ends, absolutely fine in that area. Um, and again, the Falcons don't really have that like enforcer secondary, that really physical guy that you want maybe in there um, against teams that are going to run more two tight end sets and things like that. Uh, I think he can absolutely fill that role, bring that physicality. And then the special teams acumen, we know how important that is to the Falcons. Um, and I, I think he'll be a, an impact special teams player from day one. So um, Helms, I think is a guy that you could probably pencil in for the roster and, and that makes him a good seventh round pick, even though they don't matter. Uh, it's a good seventh round pick right there. So. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you joining me and sharing your insight into this draft class and looking forward to seeing, you know, which guys live up to these expectations, which guys exceed those expectations uh, and not looking forward to the guys that don't live up to the expectations, but yeah, uh, let the people know what you guys got going on over at the Falcoholic Live, anything you're working on for the Falcoholic and Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Yeah, so we'll have um, <clears throat> we'll have uh, several episodes. I'll be on vacation uh, over the next week, so you won't see any a lot of tweets from me. I probably can't stay away, so you'll probably see some tweets, but um, we'll have uh, several episodes. Off, right? Yeah, we got to get those takes <laughs> off. So we're hashtag Corey Davis watch. So you know, we got to keep we got to keep up with that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see. Uh, I got an episode with Daniel Flick uh, from from SI coming up, and then we're gonna have uh, Charles McDonald for an episode. We're gonna have obviously Aaron Freeman for an episode, uh, and then there'll be a fifty three man roster projection initial one for me uh, coming as well during that time frame. So you can check that out. Um, 
And yeah, uh, we'll have more and more coming as the offseason uh, gets started. Uh, Falcons Executive Vice President Brett Jukes will be joining us on the 24th of May for the uh, for live to give his takes, uh, give his thoughts on, on the draft and the offseason. I know they didn't end up with any BYU players this year, so he's probably pretty salty. But um, he did actually say he liked Clark Phillips, the pick of, of Clark Phillips, which is that's pretty big uh, yeah. for, for, for Jukes to, to praise a Utah player. So uh, Clark Phillips must be really good. So that that's what I'm working on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you know, it. One of the fun things about this process is learning about these like rivalries for schools. Like last year with Troy Anderson, realizing like the Montana State versus Montana rivalry is like the biggest thing in that state. And it's like, oh, I didn't really know that was a thing in, until then. And then you know, yep. knowing about the BYU Utah thing certainly is. So it's it's always interesting to to find out like you know these are like life and death situations with some of these players coming up and like, Oh, you know, like Troy Anderson was like a born and raised Montana state guy. And like, he would never, never go to Montana. And it's like, okay, like that's, you know, it's a footnote, but it's an interesting uh, thing that you, you pick up with some of these rivalries when you're going through this draft process. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's little, little tidbits here and there that, that uh, really gives some, some character and some spice to, to these players. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so again, guys, check out Kevin Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter as well. Uh, in addition to all of those things, and you know, you get to see this handsome face on that podcast as well. So that's just you know incentive enough uh, for you guys to go check that out in the coming days and weeks. So uh, really appreciate you, Kevin, for joining me here on today's Locked Up Falcons. And that's it for us today, guys. I want to thank once again Kevin Knight and, of course, my previous guest, Jonathan Davis, for their insights into these topics on today's episode. And tomorrow, well, not tomorrow, but our next episode will, of course, be Sunday evening for the YouTube crowd and Monday morning for all of you that check us out on your other preferred podcast platforms. And I'm about 70% of the way through the Bijan film that I want to get through and Hopefully I'll finish this weekend, but knowing me, I probably won't get as much done over the weekend as I would like. Uh, and so I don't know if that scouting report, that in-depth scouting report that I like to do for all these prospects will be available Sunday slash Monday. Uh, so we'll, we'll probably get it done early in the week at some point, you know, certainly by midweek. Um, and so continue to make us your first listen so that you can be there uh, when we do that in-depth scouting report of Bijan Robinson and all the incredible things that he's going to. This is going to be the most glowing scouting report I, I, I think I've ever done. I, I was very high on Kyle Pitts and I was just like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of issues with Kyle Pitts' game. And, um, you know, I'll be very curious where I ultimately settle on some of the projections uh, for B. John Robinson in terms of his floor, his ceiling, his eye level. So make sure you check that out, guys, uh, when I get to it at some point in the next, you know, three to five days. Uh, so we'll see about that. And of course, if you want to get insights into all the other things going on from around the NFL, make sure you check out Locked On NFL. And of course, if you want to get more insight into the college side of things, you know, Locked On Longhorns is a great place to start. Locked On Bulldogs, if you're, you know, a Georgia guy uh, or whatever, since I know most of you are listening to this, are local uh, to the area. So the college side of things has you covered for pretty much, you know, most, if not all of the teams that you're looking for, for that college insight. So check them all out. They're all part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, I hope you have a great weekend.